0: Relax. You're quite safe here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. And welcome to Rock Strikes!
2: Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today. Whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes, and never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. But thank you, especially everybody who has given me really good feedback on this particular series of shows we've been doing. We've been doing this for damn near a year now. It's now time for the fourth and sadly final part of our year-long tribute to the mighty, iconic hero to us all, and I mean that with every bone in my body and every beat of my heart. Yep. Uh, it's a, This is a labor of love. It is not an attempt to trend. This is real fans talking about their real experience of Mr. David Bowie. All right. Now that
3: that's out of the way. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. The the, the the last part.
2: Yeah. And I got to say man, a lot of people can you know pass on in the music industry and be super huge, be close to being as iconic as David Bowie. Right. But I think maybe on half of one hand, you could count how many people that had a amazing last era yeah, most eras, uh, kind of have a whimper, and not a bang. And I truly believe that David did some amazing and interesting work, in what w- would become known as the last part of his it, career, from nineteen ninety five on, the last twenty years of his life.
3: Extremely, a diverse amount of material that he released there, and I I, I can only imagine what was going through his mind who he was imagining to collaborate with yeah there there's no way that we we can get around at this point that he's already an artist who is completely just at one and at peace with him and his art yeah and that's what we're approaching with and yeah. you know i think i think the first part of this is one of the most critical Points of his career, yes, and and, and and I say that because, you know, there was the times that critics and even fans may have even been starting to turn their back. You're a little bit. you're not, you're not David Bowie right now.
0: Yeah,
2: you you are. Be, you're, he's kind of becoming a follower. He's instead becoming of
3: the, the lead, the not the leader, but the follower. Exactly. Yes. Yeah,
2: and so and this is just coming off the cusp of which I consider to be one of the lowest points creatively of his career. Right. After a great high, in my opinion, with the 10 Machine Project, right. he does Black Tie, White Noise and Buddha Suburbia. Right. My two least favorite albums that aren't called Never Let Me Down. Right. Of his catalog. <laughs> yes. So, 95 was a critical year for him, and he uh, gave a guy named Brian Eno a call. Yeah. Well, And, and he, he had this conceptual yeah, idea. Yeah, he got
3: back with the, the, the guy who helped him create just the 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 groundbreaking Berlin triptych yeah. as as we all know it as. Yeah. And he had and, a very
2: heavy handed concept. And
3: it was a very collaborative effort from my understanding. Yeah. It was supposed to be more from yeah. my understanding yeah. as well.
2: And there's there's kind of a thing that needs to be debunked here in the sense that people give Trent Reznor credit for work on this album and as much as i love trent he had nothing to do with outside other than inspiration right he was definitely an inspired figure in bowie's mind at this point and maybe personally i know by the time the tour came around they were tour mates yeah however i don't know what kind of interaction they had before that other than the fact that out of the outside record once it dropped people heard hey this guy's probably been listening to nine inch nails (laughs) Well, that's yeah, where the it was
3: it was it, it was a lot of that, and then in the European sense, there was a lot of the drum and bass electronic music going on. Yeah, and, and so and this he one, was this one's a lot he was tremendously active. also influenced by an artist named Goldie at the time. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's this huge shift going on in England and European markets yeah. that's going towards a lot more of that sort of uh, techno. Yeah.
2: And, and and the more electronic hyper jungle music that really right. uh, becomes more of a thing on his album after this. Right. Outside is definitely a more atmospheric a lot. It it's does. definitely more experimental, and it's got like all these crazy bits in between, and the story is hard to decipher. I mean, there's everything about this album it's, is kind of a challenge. However, yeah. sprinkled inside of this thing, there are really actually some good tunes on there. Uh, some that he would continue to perform here and there uh, pretty consistently in his set list. I mean, especially uh, L.O. Spaceboy pretty much never left his set list after that, rightfully so. It's one of the strongest songs that... uh, Had a great remix by the Pet Shop Boys. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's an interesting remix. And when he would play the song, it was like way heavier even than the album It was.
3: was. Yeah, well, and it was was also stripped down uh, because he played it on, on reality tour, didn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah, but like every time you, but played it was it, it very, was like it was a metal very much version. like a, yeah, it, not not as electronic at yeah, that point exactly, so. but uh, yeah, and like I said, we mentioned Brian Eno, and I should probably go ahead and mention this album came out September twenty fifth, nineteen ninety five. Uh, in addition to Brian Eno's contribution, which was pretty much like a partnership, right, for sure, because he's got tons yeah. of credit on the album. Uh, Reeves Gabriels back right. in the fold, right? Mike Garson uh, playing a huge part on this. Mm. Uh, Mike Garson on the piano and Carlos Alomar back on the guitar. Right. So those are your uh, main yeah. players here. You guys know, say so outside was really this, uh, you know, the Generation X coming out party of Bowie, and that sounds like a real lazy thing to say. But the other thing you gotta accept and understand is that the man who sold the world, yeah, had become new to a lot of people, yeah, and now people are like, oh.
0: Well, oh, Kurt Cobain likes is, David
2: this Bowie. This is the
3: guy who Nirvana yeah.
2: liked. And so you, now you've got both sides of the spectrum. Some of those kids are buying the same records, but just in case you had a Kurt Cobain or Bust guy. Right. He was like, "Bowie's cool." Or yeah. if you had a Trip Reznor or Bust guy, yeah. "Hey, Bowie's cool." So he's yeah. got you got both ends of the alternative spectrum now. Yeah. And so this album needed to be good, and thankfully, I don't think it was let down. I don't think it sold a whole lot of copies, I, but it at least yeah. got Bowie back into the creative mindset critically, and anybody who cared and dared to listen yeah. said, hey, Bowie's still got some gas in the tank. It's the only tour that I saw. Wow. Yeah. So, the Lucky uh, you. You saw him once. Yeah. It's one more than me. It's, you know... <laughs> It, it was a tour with Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Who? Uh, they, they flipped a coin every night. Who was? Did he close or open that night?
3: Oh no no, there was no flipping of coins. Oh, was there it? was no flipping of coins. Did Bowie always open? No. Oh. Nine Inch Nails. Actually, it went a childhood friend or col- f- f- uh, previous collaborator with Nine Inch Nails, Trent. Yeah. A guy named Kevin something or other who was in a band called Prick. And then. Uh prick opened up the show, then nine inch Nails would play. Okay. And then the Nine Inch Nails set would segue into a David Bowie set. There was no oh. there was no like downtime between the two. Oh, very cool. At least within within the set that I saw. Okay. Uh there's I think plenty of bootlegs out there where it has I've got one. <laughs> um yeah, I thought you did. Yeah. Uh, where, where they it do has man? uh Bowie and his band on stage with 9 inch nails yeah and they would usually do like scary monsters scary monsters and hurt hurt and i thought reptile yeah that's right that is right um yeah. were were the were the songs that that kind of you know faded into what would end up being Bowie set which yeah. at that point you know he had already said what well, I'm not playing my old songs anymore. Yeah. And he And he would even do man pretty, of the world. But he would, he would do like an like well this. Already well stick, you know. I mean, he was pretty pretty close to that whole you know, not do you know, not doing his older stuff. Yeah. Um, I he, see him doing he, he like held maybe to a,
2: ashes to ashes he that he kind of like
3: stuff. He did like Joe the Lion. Sure. the okay. only other only really old song that I really wow. recall
2: from that night. Yeah. So I could hear um, him doing pretty much outside material. It was a lot
3: of it yeah. was a lot of that. So,
2: yeah. like I said, I've seen footage of him doing Man Who Sold the World from yeah. that era, and it's like this crazy, like looped drum, right. atmospheric. Like it, like if Man Who Sold the World was on the Outside album, right. That's that's what how he was on. approaching it. Yeah. So yeah.
3: So they 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 were. If he was doing anything older, it was completely reconfigured. Deep. <laughs> Reconfigured completely. Yeah, and that's only way that I can <laughs> really describe it. So, gotcha. Well, but I'm, that was it. That was the only time. Well, I'm jealous,
2: and I'm sure you heard the song we're about to play that night as well. Yep, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, arguably the best song on uh, Outside. I would say so. So we're gonna kick off the part four of our Bowie tribute with Aloe Spaceboy." Taking off part four of our end-of-the-year, year-long tribute to David Bowie. That was "Hello Space Boy. Uh, Logan referenced the Pet Shop Boys remix. Check that out as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's actually you can find pretty that, good. You can find it's actually that, pretty good. Yeah, if you get the deluxe of Outside, it's actually on there, by the way. So yes. It's out there, the ISO version. And I think it's also got a couple of soundtrack songs. I think it's got the song he did for Basquiat on there, Small Plot of Land. Oh, okay. Right. And, uh, God, there's something else on there. The original version of "I'm Deranged" that was on the Lost Highway soundtrack is also on Outside. Oh, okay. And if you, uh, I'm sure many of you out there have seen the great movie Seven, the song "Heart's Filthy Lesson" Heart is Filthy. the end credit yeah. song on Seven. All right. Speaking of Seven, we're going up to 1997. 1997. With the follow-up record called Earthling. Now this one, as I think. Earthling is probably the most controversial album of Bowie's career. Yes. With the added <laughs> aspect of it was it was a good thing for him to do, I believe. It's like uh you were mentioning earlier, it's of its time, uh definitely being influenced by what the kids are into in England. There's a lot of German bass, there's yes. a lot of jungle. Uh, which is an, an accepted genre name, by the way. I'm not being uh, no, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It's a dated reference at this point. To where it, people, at this have point, to explain it really it. is. Yeah, you do have to explain it. Yeah, but uh, Reeves still on board here. Uh, Mike Garson back on board once again. Yeah. Another pivotal player. The recording debut of someone who would be with him till the end. Miss Galen Dorsey. On bass and backing vocals. This was her first album with Bowie. Oh, okay. She, I thought she did. I, done, I think she was in the band. I thought she did the tour. Yeah, she did the outside tour, but she didn't make her okay. way on a record until okay. this album. Uh, and I think you'll hear her a lot more on the Hours record coming up for sure. But you know, like I said, she's on. I this. think
3: she's she's pretty much in the band. Yeah. Uh, I to, until
2: yeah. And I used to kind of call this album the Reeves Show because oh. like it was, <laughs> but. Reeves is definitely a good handshake to a more rock-oriented guy like me when I hear an album right. like Earthling, because, man, what's he doing with that guitar? He's yeah. playing this crazy, tricked-out Parker Fly, he's... and he's got these crazy effects going on, so he became the most prominent right-hand guy since Mick Ronson. Yeah. Uh, Bowie's performances were identified with Reeves' contributions, because yeah. he was doing so many things up there. And blowing people's minds because people had never heard those sounds before.
3: Well, and, you know, Reeves also was one of those um, eventual, uh, and and maybe I'm saying this wrong, but children of technology. Oh, yeah. That used technology for his favor. Mm -hmm. And that's what these records called for. Yeah. Is he used the pedals or whatever you want to call it and really added some great effect to what these records called for.
2: Yeah. And I you know, I'm definitely a production nerd. The production on this album is top-notch. I mean, what Eno did for Outside, he created an atmosphere and he gave you this you could it's almost like Brian Eno painted a picture of super foggy futuristic Blade Runner England, right? <laughs> and Earthling is very bright sounding. Yes. But on a different kind of production level, it's layered with so much stuff. Yeah. Like, the track I'm going to play right here, it's indicative of anything else on the album. I just happen to like this song pretty much more than anything on Earthling. And there's some stellar songs in there. Damn Man Walking's good. Right. Little Wonder's good. Yep. Uh, This thing right here, I think, is another one of the undiscovered Bowie gems. I'm pretty sure he probably would have played this live. I'm going to have to check. But I would love to see a live version of this. Man, every time I hear this song, it just gives me chills. And like I said, there's tons of stuff going on in the production. It, it's got a nice buildup. Right. Once the chorus hits, you're just like, yeah. So <laughs> to represent Earthling, I would like to play Seven Years in Tibet. Oh, yeah. Right there you go. That was Seven Years in Tibet, the epic Seven Years in Tibet, all six and a half minutes of it, from Earthling, released February 3rd, 1997. It's and curious. I, I listened to it again recently, and, you know, some of the production, yeah, it's a little dated, but like I said, the layering on it and just some of the songs on there are damn good, so much so if you strip them down, they are still good songs, further proof. When he, he promoted this, the shit out of this yeah, album. Yeah, he did. I saw him on so many TV shows. Uh, one of the ones that really sticks out, uh, well, actually, he did a few of them that really stuck out. He finally did a Howard Stern show for the one and only time he did. He played Howard's Birthday Party. he? Oh, okay. Played L.O. Space Boy and a really, like, heavy metal version of Fame, and uh, I'm forgetting the other one. Damn. But he played three songs, and he just... was playing guitar at that, smoke. Point? that was That was, was a Reeves? Reeves, Gail Ann. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember him playing like the VH1 Fashion Awards because uh, like he looks so. Oh, fuck- did he really? He looks so fucking cool though, and I think we well, had that little. Is yeah, that the point the, whenever yeah, the he patch, had a little the like and the, and the soul, orange hair, soul, soul orange, yeah yeah yeah, and the soul orange patch, hair, orange hair. He played Conan O'Brien show and did an acoustic version of Dead Man Walking. Oh, did he really? Is, it's chilling. It's so good and. Chilling. I I might have played that on the show, but I had to cut a few things because yeah. there's a lot of odds and ends in his career. So I was trying to play the most obscure things for odds and ends, so it had to be sacrificed. But go right. look up him playing Dead Man Walking on Conan O'Brien. Well, it, stellar.
3: And this is a this is a point where he was just promoting a record, yeah, not touring a record, yeah, but exactly. promoting a record. And around this and, time, and this, you know, th- this yeah. is just another significant, yeah,
2: so, point. At least either that, and there's good footage, so yeah. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, he did do. Uh, they did like a fiftieth birthday party for yes. the Madison Square Garden Madison on pay view. Yeah, which I have a boot of that. Uh, I think I only have like a little EP that. I don't know Like uh, fucking GQ Or yeah. something like that Put out But it was so cool Because it just really Validated his life Had I so mean, many Well Lou uh, Reed, the guest
3: appearances Lou Reed, Billy Corrigan Billy
2: Corrigan was there uh, God, what's he, it Robert Smith Robert Smith, Smith there? was there Yes yeah. he was Yeah So yeah. it was just like it was, I, it was, it was The like, old and the new Coming out to pay tribute To the man I can't wait to have My ring.
3: 50th Because yeah. I'm inviting Billy Corrigan And yeah. Robert Smith too, And see what the fuck
2: happens I'll, I'll see what I can do About that No It's not yeah. on you It's on me uh, we're moving on to the first uh you know we i try to get into personal history when we talk about these albums and when I have you on Logan it's easy sometimes because uh, <laughs> I started working at Ye old record store yeah. on Olde august Song on august twenty fifth of nineteen ninety nine that was my uh, um that was my password on my the alarm system oh, okay eight two five nine and that's how I always remember it. Oh, okay. It. So oh, it's okay. not totally nerdy, but it's close enough. Okay. I still remember the code. Okay. So about three weeks after I started... I don't even know whenever I started. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. But three weeks after I started and we started working for the first time together on September 21st, pretty much a month after I yeah. started. September 21st, 1999, Hours comes out. And, you know, it's one of those things where I was wondering if I was giving this album a pass all this time because... I was just in a good place, and I was like, man, I'm working at a record store now, yeah. full-time, and we listened to this album a lot. We did. And I was wondering if it had held up. I listened to it again today, literally oh. today. Totally holds up. Does it? It, is not, it doesn't feel dated at all. It feels like a very timeless album of his. I highly recommend people check out The Hours album. Uh, Some people were almost complaining that this was an adult contemporary approach and you could argue that on a couple of tracks, but honestly I mean, he's not even going to come close to being like some sort of wuss album that like Sting would put out and I'm sorry to beat him up, but that's the case No, yeah,
3: and my huge takeaway from this era is, and I'm sure that you were about to launch into this, but Whenever he started promoting this this album, once again he didn't do an, an an actual tour, Right. but it was just television appearances. Yeah, and then the, and the, the live
2: the uh, uh, Net Aid. I remember he played that too. The Net one at, Yeah, the one at Wembley. Like it was kind of like a, a mini Live Aid. I don't remember that. that they it on the internet and on radio stations. I don't
3: remember that at all. Yeah.
2: I we had to reset the wires on our player to get FM that day. Oh wow! I still remember that. Like wow. we had to listen to Bowie set at. At, at, at the Song Shop. Yeah, yeah.
3: I have no and, memory of yeah. that whatsoever. And I,
2: and I do have a boot of NetAid. And I know the the other thing that I know you were so happy about, and I was happy for you. And I thought this was super cool. Uh, you know, Reeves definitely contributed massively to this album. Gale landed as well. But yeah, um, this is where I'm going. Yeah, on the tour or on the quote unquote tour, yeah. the promo tour. If he was playing Conan right. or any other place, anywhere he played on rhythm guitar. Go ahead.
3: It's the fantastic Paige Hamilton from Helmet. Yeah. who, Which I don't I, think
2: people still realize that happened.
3: Yeah. It, it, who, at that point, I mean, I was just coming out of my brief amount of time in the 90s. Helmet was the Apex. That was like your favorite band at the time. I think I saw them like seven times. Yeah. You within, had like, like
2: lunch with them, too. Yeah. <laughs> dinner. Sure,
3: and it was like seven, you know, saw them seven times within like a three-year period or something like that, or four-year period. Yeah. But anytime they came, I once didn't go to a show because they canceled. Wow, which I kind of regret now. But sure, sure. still, that's beyond the point. That's okay. So, um, but yeah, if you were but yeah, Bowie so, television, but, but seeing seeing Page work with David Bowie was really fulfilling to me because yeah. I really liked. Paige hamilton yeah as a guitarist and knew that he was he came from a school of the the new york school of musicianship yeah that really attributed to what bowie would be about yeah wasn't he a berkeley guy no, he wasn't a Berkeley guy. He was guy. like from that area. No, right? no, no. Was he, he was he, he no. He was a New York City guy. Okay, he was totally New York yeah, City I, guy. He was New York City. Just, you know, yeah. and uh, I, matter of fact, I think he was a Yankee fan. But you of know, that's that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, i remember. But he had learned from Glenn Bronca, who is a man, just an all over the place kind of guitarist, musician. Yeah. From in New York City area yeah. So
2: This is definitely A good validation Of your fandom Like hey He's playing yeah. with my guy now Yeah so I got, Your worlds collide Yeah I, It, it, uh, it, it yeah. was
3: totally like Worlds collide Because yeah. I had yeah. Who who was my One of my recent Obsessions yeah. Musically yeah.
2: Got the rub Yeah Yeah
3: Got, got in with One of my All time Favorite obsessions yeah. So
2: So it kind of Is kind of on the back Of the hours album Even though he didn't Play on it at all Yeah yeah, he's on the
3: thing. He he, he he showed up at every talk show appearance. Yeah, and it was cool to see the guy that I had just met like a year or two before or whatever. So yeah, you
2: know. uh, so it yeah, was awesome. I'm sure if we ever run into him again, we're gonna oh, be like, Can I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Tell us everything about David Bowie. Yeah, and I probably should have <laughs> run into Paige a couple times That's, by now. At some but, point, anyway. You know. But moving on. Uh, once again, the hours record. I think it's a really good listen, yes, it's a massive contrast from Outside an Earthling, yes, but I think it was yeah. a necessary one. It's definitely more organic sounding. It needed to happen, but uh, you know, like I said, Reeves being a part of the album, you still get that electronic feel, but it's definitely a more of a live band thing uh and another cool thing, like David was like just definitely a promotional king at this point, yeah, he did something really cool for hours, two different things actually. One was this was conceived actually as a video game soundtrack. Initially, they him and Reeves made so much incidental music for a particular video game yeah. that was coming out called Omnicron. I guess oh, they yeah, were, I guess they were uh, commissioned to do this. Yeah, but it's a neat project, and I'm sure like he was like, oh, I can. This is something I've never done before, so I can wrap my head around this. And uh, actually, I remember uh, watching. Chris of CNJ Radio Don't. play this game. Oh yeah! So I've actually seen Omicron footage. Okay, <laughs> I've seen the Amon look-alike that's in the game, and I've seen <laughs> the band that is Bowie, Reeves, and Galan. How cool! Like, I didn't know that. Playing in the bar, if you—it's a sandbox game. But if you go into this particular bar, right, this band that happens to sound like this band on uh, hours playing some songs did not know that and all the score is bowie they made like 70 pieces of music for this thing so so this turned into an album actually this was maybe not intended to be an album initially but it became one and uh actually i think they might mention omnicron on new angels of promise great tune uh that's the song they're playing in the bar i think when i saw them I think it's mentioned in there. But anyway, the other cool thing he did was he had a songwriting contest. So yeah, like Bowie being one of the first true artists to embrace the internet went on the internet Mm -hmm. and says, I'm having a songwriting contest and a a fan submitted a song, uh, which is what became the song. What's really happening on the album, which, so the guy brings it to him and obviously I'm sure Bowie (laughs) doctors it, you know, to suit him. Yeah. Wins the contest. Not only that, I don't know if you know this or not, but when it came time to do the track and the session, invites the guy down to the studio. No kidding. Says, bring a friend, especially if they can sing, and they're doing backup vocals on that track. Really? I I did not know that. Yeah, and I mentioned Conan before, his appearance for hours where he's promoting that they talk about the songwriting contest, and there's a great bit where Conan's like, well, I submitted a song. How would you like to sing it right now? And it's, it's a pretty funny bit. You right. should go look it up. I don't want yeah. to spoil the joke. Uh, nice reference to Bowie's earlier career during the segment. But the last thing I will say about ours, and I swear we'll get to the music, is I I did have to look this up, and I remember hearing rumblings about this, but okay. I wanted to confirm it. The first full-length album that was up as a download on the Internet was it really? Uh, Bowie put it up two weeks before the physical streeted.
0: Wow. I
2: don't know if you're supposed to or not. Really? But they did that. And I think that was all part of the... Just on his yeah. website or something? I think so. I think that was part of the whole ISO thing. That was where he became public and, you know, all that other stuff happened. Wow. But, uh, Ours is the first full-length album that you could have downloaded on the internet. Oh,
0: shit. Yeah. So wow.
2: There you go. Some fun facts there. Uh, once again, I'm going to pick my personal favorite song go for off it. of Ours. I like this one a lot, too. It's kind of, uh, there's a few ballads on this. It's like a half ballad record. Yeah. But I like this one because it's a little bit darker. And I, I actually did listen to this album the night I heard about Bowie this year. And this song. Did you? This song hit me in the gut. Yeah. So when I hear this song now, it's really, really sad posthumously. Yeah. But this is the song. It's called If I'm Dreaming My Life we mm-hmm. I'm dreaming my life from what I consider a massive Jim Bowie's catalog, the Hours album, which good was good song. Thank you. Uh, which was oh, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with it. That's, oh yeah, that's you're all, right. It's all David. You're mine. It's all David and Reeves, and then a few other people. Maybe. You're fine. You're fine then. Uh, released September 21st, 1999. Officially, I needed to get that one done there. Moving on to what would be his next major release, albeit not a studio album, but really, really great set. No fan should be without this. The Bowie at the B box set, which, to break it down, is three discs, and it's a complete Bowie at the BBC Sessions from pretty much initial launch. All it was the way- three discs? Yeah, it was three discs if you bought it when it came out, the first pressing, oh, Okay. because you could only get the third disc in the first pressing. So it's pretty much deleted at this point hmm. physically. Okay. But the two discs initially have... From early days, you know, Space Oddity is still a single and not a full-length album. And there's even, like, a few things that that precede that. Yeah. Because he did do a lot of BBC sessions. And it pretty much finishes off right when the Ziggy Stardust thing is happening. So Mick Ronson already on. i got to say, I've played this before multiple times on the show. So just go back and check him out. The live version on Bowie at the Beeb, where they do Moon Age Daydream, I think, destroys the version on Ziggy Stardust. Oh, yeah. you got to hear that live version. Mick Bronson kind of... They kind of let him loose a little bit. Yeah. He gets, like, an extra Manta solo, and he just owns it, and then it ends with, like, this crazy delayed sound effect thing, and it just makes it, like... They should have used that take on Ziggy Stardust. It would have been the best song on the whole record. It's kind of still is anyway. It's always gonna say. Like yeah. I, I put it up there, you're know, like, hang on to yourself, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. But Moon Age Daydream. Moon Age Daydream. Gonna, it's always gonna be my favorite on the record. But that that's version Still But yeah, that's what makes Bowie at the Bee worth it. There's a lot of great performances besides that of course, but that one really stands out for me. But the other thing, the third disc on the Bowie at the Beat box set contains a performance that he did whilst promoting hours. Waltz. Yes, thank you. Waltz. Yeah, good word, right? It is a, one of the... Long hair bowie. Yeah, long hair bowie. That was a, that was interesting to see, too. Uh, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Because he just had orange hair a year yeah. ago. <laughs> he's like, and it was short. Short and spiky. Short and spiky, and, he goes, and, spiky, and yeah. now he's all, like, long yeah. hair and then. Yeah, but uh, this is one of the best top-to-bottom... We're going to put bottom. him on FM. Yes, exactly. This is one of the best top-to-bottom live albums I think anybody's ever put out I mean it's just a great overall look at his catalog it's definitely when he goes old it definitely skews more mid 70's to late 70's he doesn't right. do a whole lot of older material doesn't do a lot of ziggy stuff No, but he does like always crashing in the same car okay. and cracked actor some of his best stuff is on this live album yeah I
3: can't read it from here but yeah
2: <laughs> yeah and it is like a little space boy which of course we know is great live yeah. And uh, some of the better stuff off of hours, so it's just a nice clicks of things. And then finishes off with a really cool modernized but not wussed out version of "Let's Dance," oh. um, which it starts off as a ballad, and then once it finally gets to the chorus, the build up. Now and the he drums was playing in. that. Yeah, I
3: mean, I don't know because at that point,
2: yeah, you wouldn't think that he would want to go there, but. The way that the band had arranged it, I think maybe he was like, man, this is undeniable. We kind of have to do this. And a great closer. Or did he? And I'm tempted to play that, but I think definitely a song that also should be mentioned. It was a big song for him. And, you know, this definitely showed the kids, hey, this guy, Trent Reznor, that we like so much is collaborating with this guy, David Bowie. Did a great video together for this, too. The remix that Nine Inch Nails do of I'm Afraid of Americans with, like, Bowie running from the crazy, angry... From crazy, Reznor.
3: like, 90s
2: guy. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> basically, the remix that Reznor did for Bowie is the one they adopted when they would play it live. Yeah. So, as kind of a tribute to that as well, yeah. from Bowie at the Bee, we're going to play a live version of the Trent Reznor remix of oh, oh. I'm Afraid of Americans. Here you go.
1: Just pretend uh, 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 uh American. I'm afraid of
2: Definitely getting to one of the heavier notes of Bowie's career with live version of I'm Afraid of Americans, which, like I said, definitely using the Trent Reznor arrangement, and that was from the great Bowie at the beatbox set. Let's do yet another odd and end in Bowie's career, and I don't think you're going to see this one coming. I don't don't know anyone. It's odd, but I think it's great. And equally as heavy, maybe, as the last entry we just played, albeit from... A cover version of a band that Bowie has covered a few times in his career. Matter yeah. of fact, there were two Who covers on, on PenUps. <laughs> and time came around in the early 2000s where, you know, some label or whatever put together a tribute to The Who called Substitute. Clever title, I think, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, I mean, come on. Is so, it? That's great. And much like a lot of tribute albums, it's like maybe a third good if we're being nice. Most of these versions don't ever need to be recorded it's just like if you subscribe to the cover rule that i do where oh you have 90, a cover rule well 99 percent of the time you should make it your own okay if you're familiar with the who's single hit pictures of lily which is definitely uh interesting that it ever became a hit because it's a song about masturbation right it got through somehow and became one of their bigger singles so that's the one that Bowie wanted to do on this tribute album. He took this really happy-sounding, jangly power-pop song and turned it into one of the heaviest things he's ever committed <laughs> into a studio session. I mean, you know, outside of a few of these other things that we've heard, like L. Yeah. Space Boy and I'm Afraid of Americans, yeah. they just, I don't know who came up with the idea. of Who was on it? Did you, did you I, ever I've figure never, that out? I've never been able Cause to Because I find, know that
3: you uh, and I have talked about this, yeah. about...
2: I was like, this could be the Dude. lone Paige Hamilton studio session. Right. If it ever happened. It's possible he's on this track. It's I have no confirmation right. whether he's on it or not. I know. Pretty positive. If I had to put money on it, it's going to be probably just one guitar player. I'm guessing Reeves, but it right. could be Carlos Alomar. You never know because he's still right. in the fold yeah. and he will be back in the fold later on. So who knows? I have no idea who's on this track besides Bowie. I know. It could be a whole other band. Yeah. It's really heavy. I know that. I know that, Uh, too. Yeah, so I think you're going to enjoy this as a odd and end for the last part of Bowie's career. I felt it was important that you hear a rarely heard version of The Who's Pictures of Lily. Check this one out.
1: I'm stuck them on my wall And now my nights ain't quite so lonely
2: There you go. Hope you enjoyed that one, kids. That was a nice, loud one for you. That was Bowie's cover of "Pictures of Lily," originally done by The Who, of course, off of the tribute album called Substitute. So there you go. A true odd and end for our David Bowie tribute. We have one more odd and end coming up at the end of the show, as kind of an encore, if you will. Bonus feature. Definitely a bonus feature. And before all that, we're going to talk about Heathen now, which came out in June of 2002. Uh, already on a healthy kick of putting out a lot of records pretty much in two or three year spans. Back in the scene? Definitely for sure. And this one, I think, it's it's definitely not as easy on the ears as ours as far as the material and approach and style. It's definitely a lot darker and it's kind of one of those things you kind of hear what you want to hear but a lot of people said this was his 9-11 album when it came out. <laughs> which, which you could do with,
3: with, that, with almost anything at that point. You're, yeah, You're, you're going to... Emotionally, feel off the record. What is pretty high emotionally yeah. at the time. Yeah. I actually like this record more than ours. Uh, honestly,
2: there's parts of it that I do like uh, a lot. I don't know if I like it more than ours, but it's definitely right. teetering. It's on the cusp. You know, they yeah. would they would come close in an all time ranking. They'd be close to each other. I think uh, what Heathen has that ours didn't have is a ton of notable session guys on here. Right. Oh yeah. In addition to uh, actually which was the return of tony visconti right which they haven't worked together in a long time so he's back in the fold finally uh yeah because who who was on ours who produced that you know offhand i do not know i don't remember either <laughs> it might be self-produced as far as yeah i, know. I, don't I know. mean it,
3: that was a really strange it was a strange record
2: yeah but but uh, yeah he then you got tony visconti back and he's got a lot of musicianship Four. credits on there uh carlos alomar was on here. That, that's another Bowie mainstay. Yeah. Uh, there was one you mentioned before he we went on the air. Who uh, Sterling
3: that? Campbell, who, had, who it, he had, I think he had done at least black tie white noise. Okay, uh, he, he's he's bounced around. He's a session guy that's been in, you know, every, everything from like a revamped Chic to Duran Duran. Okay, so gotcha. He's a he's he's a good guy to have, have behind the kit.
2: Oh, nice. Was he the guy that played drums for b52s at one point I think yeah I think, yeah I, yes. th- I know what you're talking about yeah. now I know exactly what it looks like yep. he was the guy in the love shack video yep. yeah I okay believe that was him I pulled that one out of my butt well
3: like, you sure uh, did man I' uh, forgotten about that but yeah I mean he was really really a cool groove oriented put in with Bowie was is a, a real good fit I think
2: so. yeah and also speaking of drummers another prominent drummer guy who's got a ton of credits on a lot of different records Matt Chamberlain. Who you know mostly as a drummer for Soundgarden or Pearl Jam or, or both,
3: <laughs> or, or or locally yeah. here he was in yeah. Edie Brille's New Bohemians and Billy Goat and Ten Hands. He's yeah. he's uh, Saturday Night Live band. He was in that with G.E. Smith. Yeah, yeah so. the the guys the the guys having a good enough time.
2: Yes, and the great Tony Levin, who uh, you might know from King Crimson or I, even some of the old Peter Gabriel classic I was albums. Say Peter Gabriel and
3: chapman stick right and when that him? You know, he played the
2: big chapman yeah, stick like yeah that was awesome music. yeah and another uh, speaking of prog guys jordan rudis who's currently still dream theater's keyboard player dream theater. dream theater and he's he had been with them i think probably at least 15 years at this point but he was he was pretty new to dream theater at that point but was he? that's neat that he's on the album and Aren't they kind of new at that point no, Dream Theater oh, came out around. in the early 90s, so oh. they've been around for at least a decade at that oh, point, okay. as far as like a professional signed act. There you know. go. And a couple of guest stars, Pete Townsend, back, uh, appearing on a Bowie album for the first time since Scary Monsters. Right. And then, of course, the guy who is everywhere, Mr. Rock and Roll, Dave Grohl, right. Dave Grohl. has a credit on here, I believe, on a couple of songs. I think, I think it's just the one. A, I feel like he had like one guitar and one drum credit, and I think he might have played on the Pixies cover of Cactus. <laughs> but yeah, and this is a, a, a pretty heavy song for the album. Like I said, uh, thematically, it's a pretty heavy and almost morose kind of album, but this one's a little bit brighter spot on the record overall, so I figured it'd be a fun one to play here. So from the album Heathen, this is I've Been Waiting For You. <laughs> been waiting for you as opposed to i've been waiting for you because we're, for you. we're from texas
3: i've been waiting for you
2: hey now go so on to 2003 september of 2003 to be specific enough at least the album reality which uh, much like the hours album we talked about earlier i'm a big fan of this record there's not much in the way of guest stars or big session people you got no. it's basically a very much contained uh, touring band on this album earl slick Galan is back. Mike Garcon oh. is back. So it, it's Love a Galen. it's definitely a more organic, band-sounding album. And I think it shows on the album. And at one point... Sterling Campbell? Almost kind of, yeah. and Almost kind of on principle, at one time, I really listened to this album a lot. Even, like, years after it came out. Really? Because I was basically set on being like, Okay, well, I guess this is the very this last is... David Bowie album. <laughs> and... I kind of when I listened to it, thinking that that was the case, like it almost kind of enhanced the album. But there's some great performances on here, really cool underrated gems on here. Song I really like on there is actually one of the other covers we talked about. Cover songs on Heathen, but there's two covers on here. Pablo Picasso, which Mm -hmm. was a Jonathan Richmond song, The Modern Lovers, and you can definitely hear Richmond's style on there. So it's almost like Bowie kind of copped it a little bit, which is kind of cool. But a song he definitely made his own was George Harrison's Try Some, Buy Some. That thing is so good. Like I'm, I'm almost tempted to play it, but I feel like we've done a few extra covers than I even <laughs> intended. So make sure when you buy reality, and you should buy the reality album, check out Try Some, Buy Some. It's amazing. It's it's chill-inducing. It's all those things. We played a lot of epics on this particular part, so yeah. go listen to that one yourself. There's was also the great tour that followed it, which was the last huge David Bowie. Yeah, it was tour. the last big one. And we talked about that. Actually, it
3: was the last full world tour, isn't it?
2: Yeah, that was it. I that mean, was it, the last one. This was it. I highly recommend getting the DVD of that because it's like a two and a half hour show, and it's like the ultimate David Bowie set list. It's it takes care of everybody: the kids, the '80s people. Yep, it's all nineties. Yeah, yeah, hipsters. You know, I mean, yeah, because I have I, I have seen that that or listened to it. Yeah, and that it it's massive. It's so good, and just a a great tour to go out on for sure. But uh, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Back to the album itself, and I also need to give a shout out to a guy who contributed a little bit uh, on a previous episode of the Bowie tribute uh, to Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. Had a little fun Bowie anecdote uh, on the show. He sent me a YouTube clip, which I didn't even really know this existed of a song that was originally on reality called Bring Me the Disco King. There's a remix of it out there done by Maynard Keenan from Tool, which basically like just repurposed the entire vocal track and Maynard made this whole new thing over it. And it's I actually as much as I like the reality album, I think the remix that Maynard did actually is better than the one on the album. Yeah, itself. whenever you played it, yeah. It was super so cool. It sounds like something that could yeah. be on Black Star now. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, somewhere within the next next couple of records for sure i think yeah Yeah. so go look up those things and also i think i'm actually going to play the song that was the single off reality because it's not like anybody really heard it all that much and when i saw i think i saw him play the tonight show and they did this song and he just sounded real inspired so i've always liked this song for that reason so from reality an album you should own this is never get old
1: About my soul, but I don't need a thing is the ring of the bell and the pure clean air
2: there you go that was never get old which was actually the single if there's such a thing still from the reality record and now my recommend which came out in 2003 but now we have to fast forward all the way to 2013 like i thought that we had seen the very last (laughs) of bowie (laughs) right and then in the weirdest thing ever i believe on his birthday that year he announced that Oh, by the way, there's a new record coming out. Right, and it <laughs> yeah. blindsided
3: the entire industry completely. Yeah, because
2: no one knew... Because, I mean, yeah. he'd been sitting around... We thought I, I thought he was just yeah. reading books and drinking Raised, tea and... Raising his kid. You know. The whole point of him taking all that time off was to raise his kid, right. apparently. Right, It's like, I didn't want to be that dad. That he didn't
3: want to be that dad, and he wasn't that
2: dad. And he saw all those dads, like... Yeah. All those rock dads that...
3: That lost time with their with yeah. their kids, yeah. and, you know... So... He's I mean, very classy, a very very admirable. I mean, not to say that he didn't like anything with Zoe, yeah, because he well he probably did, yeah. but I think I think everybody came came to peace with it. I think he learned his lesson within yes. a sense, and yeah, it, yeah he didn't didn't make a repeat
2: performance exactly. So yeah, this gets announced and the album comes out like in, I think in a few weeks after the announcement. Yeah, I think like, like
3: within six weeks or something like that.
2: And it was a really kind of an unprecedented
3: for Bowie, especially. In 2013, and a veteran artist, and he puts out. I thought he put out like two v- music videos before the album. I'm not sure came who out. played them outside yeah. of, you know, maybe Just it popped yeah, up, you YouTube. know, on Rolling Stone or something like that, sure. and they said, uh, well, even like Pitchfork and and whatever, sure. whatever uh, music site they they had the video, yeah. and you saw it on your feed somewhere on Facebook or. Yeah. I mean that was the way. That's, that's how I heard about. That it. was the way that he got through. Yeah. Was people sharing his video yeah. th- from one news site through social media. He yeah. used that, I think, very cleverly yeah. for yeah. you know for a veteran artist, and no one really does that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And even everybody that worked on the album with him, they were all the closest of his friends his musician friends yeah and they all signed uh you know ndas and right they literally did and i remember reading i'm paraphrasing a bit but i remember reading an interview with earl slick after the fact and i think it was actually after david died right. and they were like so tell us about the next day and he was like oh man <laughs> He goes, You know what? He goes I almost blew the whole I think he was like I almost blew the whole thing. No because I went out I went out to take a smoke outside the studio and somebody made me. What are you doing here? Oh, I'm just seeing a. I'm just seeing some friends, you know. Or just no, no, It's just this little local thing, you know. Like he was like really like no, no, no. I'm, I'm not really recording. I'm I'm only kidding, right? <laughs> like he goes, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so he's like, I almost got, bu- I got busted. Yeah, I mean, because this was a really, really <laughs> low key project, yeah, super secretive, but embracing the social media when it was time for him to go public. And he was all about it as opposed to being so anti social media from the get go. Yes. Which is the fun contrast he, of the art. So yeah. He uh, used it he well, I don't want to say he used it, but he
3: no, I think he knew he what would, he he knew what would happen. He played it like a fiddle yep. from from the yeah. He knew exactly what would happen so, just because I'm David Bowie and people
2: will share this. Yeah. So both extremes can have that. It really can. So for the next day, we're actually going to go with what was the second single, if you will, yeah. off of the album. Uh, Logan picked this one because I had played. I it. Like initially, when the album first came out, I played a really good song off it, which I do recommend. Yeah, I recommend the album.
3: I, I love the whole album, honestly. I, I loved it top to bottom, and then he put out the the next day extra, th- the next day extra, yeah, which good stuff on I too, actually besides. recommend
2: if you can get that. And it's not some it. it's not some BS throwaway no, like remixing. I think there's like one remix on there, maybe one or two, and then the rest of them are like oh my songs. Gosh, are there even remixes? I think there's like one. So, but even oh, still, there's a bunch yeah. of songs that weren't on there. Yeah. But I just don't think they fit the mood because they're kind of all over the place. So I'd say if you're gonna get no, Next is, Day, yeah. get the one that has both of them in there because yeah. you can find it as totally. a set now. Uh, my favorite song on the album, is called "You Will Set the World on Fire." Cool right. song. I recommend Great checking song. that out. Logan's got this one here, and this is a very good choice. This is The Stars Are Out Tonight. Are out tonight from the next day. Good record. Go check that one out for sure. Get it with Next Day Extra. Might as well get your money's worth out of it. Yeah. And it's that time, the last intended studio album of Bowie's life. Black Star, which, you know, on a lot of best of lists for 2016 for good reason. I, I don't think that most of them are forced. I. I I don't I'm, think so at all. I'm skeptical about any major publications best of list. I feel like most of the stuff is bought and paid for, but I, and then on the other side of the coin I think some of this is just maybe a tribute to the guy, whether they like the album or not, they put it on their list. And I'm kind of okay with that, honestly.
3: Well, I but I I may play the other side. I mean, even for the publications that would normally would maybe it seemed like they blew him off before. Like they Oh yeah, they may they, not have they it's, they may not have had kind words to say within the last ten to fifteen years about him, but this was a good record.
2: Yeah, it's weird. I, like, they kind of go with that perception thing when it came to a lot of the critics things. Of course, for the most part, critics are going to be kind to Bowie, but it's weird. I feel like that there was a lot of praise for like a heathen, right. but not a lot of praise for reality. Right. And I always yeah. had a problem with that. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think I there just,
3: was a lot of praise for reality. There yeah. certainly wasn't any for hours. No. I no, think hours no was a yeah, I mean you'd and have that to. Was,
2: that they came after Earthling, sure if, which got a lot of critical. Well, I was frames. gonna say Earthling probably got
3: some, but yeah. Outside was kind of.
2: Yeah, that it, was kind of ignored. It was a dicey one, yeah, but, but I mean,
3: you know. Yeah, the, it was, but within this weird. point, I guess I guess you're beyond trying to to fit right within Enemy and Rolling Stone and yeah. whatever whatever major publication you're just you're going to be you're going to be David Bowie at this point
2: and like the true artistic enigma that he was putting out the most baffling record of his entire career and now reading the interviews with Tony Visconti where he basically said oh yeah he knew yeah he knew that this was it and it's all on the record even stuff you don't get is on this record and he might have even hid some stuff on the record. I was going to say there's, there's uh, a lot of um, fan theories right now. There's
3: there's a lot of lot of speculation on what what is the message and what is not the message yeah. going on. It it's he he puts stuff on here.
2: Even if none of that is true, I've read right. a lot of the wacky theories out there. There's some people that claim there's coding that will Find music online that opens up more So I mean, there's holy you know, open up more songs online. They said that there might be an inside groove, you know, this whole on the on the vinyl. Really? You know, I mean they talked about the star chart being on the jacket right. of the vinyl. Right. That's yeah. legit. Someone yeah. figured someone figured that one out, but someone yeah. probably just left it in the car one day. Right. So this Which stuff you is, should never do, kids. Never don't do leave
3: that. your don't leave your record just in the car.
2: But some of this apparently if anybody stumbles onto it, they will literally be stumbling onto it. Yeah. So And maybe Tony knows or he doesn't know, but if people are saying maybe there's hidden music online, I kind of, I mean, it takes on a life of its own. I kind of buy that. I I feel like he would do that. I do too,
3: because, I mean, you know, from the cryptic beginnings of whenever this record started with a promotion, I mean, there were just little bizarre clips that he was putting out. Yeah, Online, and I, and
2: I think they even he even posted like a a quarter picture of yeah. the cover every day, and there was like, "Oh, it's like a black star," and then right. they, and then the day of, it says black star. Black We're star. Like, okay. Oh, okay. And, well, it, and it comes out on his birthday. Uh, on his birthday,
3: which went, made perfect sense. I was yeah. like, "Oh, yeah, okay." So we switched all of our release dates. It's on. Oh, it's on a Friday. It's his birthday. Yeah. That That's cool. That's
2: awesome. And then 48 hours later. And
3: then 48 hours later, I remember getting a text saying, don't look at the news. Wow. Don't look at the news at all today. It's the As whole- in, okay, I won't look at the news today, but I will look at the news tomorrow. Which, anyway, is either way, it was bullshit. Yeah, I was like, I was you tell me at- don't look at the news, what am I going to fucking do? Immediately.
2: I'm going to go right ahead and look at the news and I don't remember who broke it to me, but it's like a total. Bl- that night's a total blur now. A, a,
3: a friend of mine, Jason, okay.
2: uh, it
3: sent me a text sometime in the early morning, and you might have done it to me shortly after. I don't. I. You know what? I, I don't even remember. I'm him. not even sure yeah. where where I drifted off at at that point because no. for me, it was really a stunning event because to me, he's still young and he's. He's I, perpetually I, young. That's for and sure. And I had just bought Black Star. Oh yeah, I bought I, listened, that, I bought it that Friday. I, you know what? I bought it Saturday, and I listened to it like three times driving around that day.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, Did you get like a lot of road hypnosis. Like, whoa, you ever have that? Like, you know, it, 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 I mean, <laughs> like you're still driving perfectly safe if you see a car coming near you, but you know about the road hypnosis if a song is just like,
3: no, yeah, yeah, there. exactly. Like, like, like where where I can't I can't let. I, I can't just cut off the car and let, you know... Yeah, no, not like I that, ha- but you're I, driving. I, st- I still have to, you know, drive to... And the, the, the worst part was, is you know, all of mine were, like, ten minute, you know, here and, here and there. But, uh, you know, I sat there and finished on a song, and then I'd get out and do my thing. and, and, yeah. and But then I'd have to drive for a long distance. Yeah. Anyway. It's a
2: seven-track record. Yeah. And it's got, like, three really long songs right. on it and, and like, four medium-sized songs right. on it. And... Yeah, seven songs. Yeah. <laughs> <And just> seven <laughs> songs, I thought, I was kind of like, well, that's kind of short,
3: but it still was clocking in at, at yeah, like, like a healthy hour. 40, or, or I like thought 40 it was 48 five? minutes or something, something like,
2: like that. that. I wonder if that, I, I think of the song seven from hours, like, is, is there something there to that? Is there something to it? Is ooh, that there for a reason? I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, there's a whole thing. Joey
3: and the David Bowie wormhole.
2: Yeah, I've got Richard that's Lewis a, head. Yeah, I'm yeah, just there like, you go. I've got my hand on my head, and I'm just, now, like, this, what is he thinking?
3: Yeah. Either way, either way to cut it, it it was still just a a completely stunning
2: event for me, and I'll tell you what, I couldn't listen to it after. I took me. I months. don't think I could stop listening to it. Really? Yeah, I, I couldn't listen to it for months after that. I listened to it for about. I've listened. I did about four spins right. over the weekend. Yeah, and then I heard about it. Weirdly enough, I went back and listened to other stuff. But I could not no after I read the Tony Visconti thing, which literally came out right. the next day because he had to release some sort of statement. Oh, because, yeah. He had to. And and he said, Yes, I'm gonna answer some questions, please leave me alone after this kind of thing. Right. And I get it. And once he said this is all about that and he left this for you guys, I could not bear and to listen to it for months after That's
3: what I've that that's what I wanted out of this record. Because to me this was in essence you know david writing his own obituary to us yeah
2: and i'm not since uh freddie mercury like freddie knew right freddie wrote two full albums to say goodbye yeah one to be done in his lifetime and one to be put out after After. he was gone a year after actually and leave it to those two freaking guys that are so amazing that Right. They got to call their shot. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's,
0: it's,
2: it's, it's breathtaking. I mean, if you ever get that chance, why it, wouldn't you? Yeah, no, totally. And
3: this I'm, was, I'm not this, riding off into the sunset until I say this what an- I was This was another record that was done under complete security. Oh, yeah. There was, I mean, I, I think the, the guys on this record that played were mostly just local musicians in New York yeah. that David Bowie had shown up and seen them at a club and said... You know, called him a, like a couple of days later. Hi, this is David Bowie. Would you play on my record? Yeah. And, you know, another one of those. Uh, and they're not going to tell anybody because <laughs> they're
2: definitely going to sign their NDAs with no questions. Exactly. And they're not going to want to be blackballed for the rest of their exactly. career. Exactly. So whatever you but want. But they will
3: forever go down as the, the last band that played with Bowie. Yeah. And whatever secret material, if there is any out there. Yeah.
2: Who knows if they're part of that? I mean, he, how cool! No doubt, he left that all. I, I, I firmly believe. I believe. And obviously, that there the, is. the family will take ownership of this stuff, and that's fine because right. I have nothing but the utmost faith in Amon that she will do his legacy right. proud. All you have to do is yep. just look at her public display since oh. then. And it's just, oh. she's been. I had to stop following her. I'm just, I just, it, it breaks yeah. my heart, man. Yeah. Uh, I think Tony is the guy that's in charge of the legacy as far yeah. as the audio goes. And he's been doing great work. Yeah. And he will, this this will be his legacy in addition to David's, yeah. I think. So it will be. It's a, it's, it needed to happen. I'm, I'm, I am so, and I don't, I don't want to get into really another thing about this, but I am comfortable and, Completely in a positive manner when I think of how Bowie's music will be handled in the yeah. future. Not so much about Prince because right, freaking right. guy didn't even have a will. Yeah, but Bowie took care of his shit. Do- yeah, and he even say. left his maid like two or three mil. I yeah, mean, something, something like crazy that. Yeah, it was good. Like, boy, he, he he really took care of everybody. Yeah, the nanny got like ten mil. I know that that's kind of tacky to talk about, but still. But I mean, that just shows yeah, you. Yeah,
3: that I mean, just shows he you. well. But we took care of his end. Yeah. And I, I, I really wish... Uh, and I'm surprised that Prince never did. <laughs> for I a really, guy that I, was so meticulous yeah. about
2: his entire musical output. Right. Had it in an effing bank vault and didn't think, for one instance, yeah. hey, you never know what's... I mean, the, the plane... He took so many planes. The I know. Plane could go, uh, anyway. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole... I talked about that on yeah. the Prince shows. But I just... Right. Showing how together he was while being so energetic and and, and creative super creative so you can have it both ways
3: the, and that's the that's this, reason what we're talking his about his, his presence will be missed yeah all that david Bowie meant to the, the actual industry
0: yeah
2: and to anybody out there that will start up uh what will definitely be uh decent money for you if you start a tribute act You better know your shit, or we'll we'll come after you. (laughs) That being said, let's do a double shot, and then come back. We're going to do Lazarus off of Black Star, and they will end up with a a nice little surprise, and I'll tell you when we come back. So we're going to really set the tone in a morose way with Lazarus, which is great, but so sad. And then we'll play you something happy, and then we'll say goodbye. So enjoy it.
1: your mother
2: Closing off our year-long four-part tribute to the icon, Mr. David Bowie.
3: Year-long indeed.
2: Yes. That was the 2003 re-recorded update of Rebel Rebel. Of course it was Rebel Rebel. Originally done for the Charlie's Angels Full Throttle soundtrack. (laughs) Are you kidding? Not even kidding about that. (laughs) But here's what you want to buy it off of the deluxe cd edition okay. of diamond dogs like you can get it on that you yeah. did not get full throttle no you know what actually i might have gotten a free promo of it when i was it came gonna out, say we probably like, had yeah
3: we probably we, had several had, of them that we handed out yeah. to other people we had a nice
2: end with sony so thank you sony <laughs> yeah. but yeah i got it from the diamond dogs deluxe eventually great performance he does that version of you know that arrangement that's also on reality tour so when you go see Oh Broadway, right
0: yeah. yeah okay yeah
2: so but i just really i usually hate most re-recordings i don't think yeah. they're necessary right. but Bowie, for some reason he's done a few in his you, career and like he What else did he do? Then? He he updated Space Oddity in 1979. Oh, but you know what? 1979 so yeah. uh, he did an update of Panic in Detroit oh, like way later on Yeah. I mean, like so he re-recorded a handful You're right. of his songs. You're right. You could make at least an EP off of that. I thought the fame. Yeah, fame. Nineteen ninety. Right. Okay. Which was a remix from the original source okay. tape, but still, he did put it out as a single. So that—that that, that definitely counts. Yeah. So yeah, not a stranger to doing that. Even though he was a true artist, there was yeah. occasionally those things where I don't know. Maybe he just like you know Be what a little I wanna... bump, Be a little, you know. Yeah. Right. Just wanted to do it for some reason. So. I said, those deluxe editions, uh, they stopped after a while. Yeah. They stopped at station to station, and they, they've never done the... No, I that, think maybe because of the fact that these Tony Visconti... They didn't Visconti, do Dance? No. Uh, what happened was there is a deluxe edition of the self-titled. You know, the self-titled right. very first uh-huh. one. Yeah. There's a deluxe of that. There's a deluxe of Ziggy Stardust. Right. Nothing for Hunky Dory yet, and nothing for Man Who Sold the World yet, as far as I know. Mm. Uh, at least domestically. Let's not. Oh, I'm not yeah, going to count true. Europe, yeah, because there's always a few extra deluxe editions in yeah. Europe because they're awesome. But in America, we got the self-titled Ziggy Stardust, the Ziggy Stardust movie, Aladdin Sane, Diamond Dogs, David Live Stage, and oh, yeah. Station to Station.
0: Yeah,
2: and then they've stopped at that. But I think the reason they stopped now is because of the box sets that Tony has been yeah. putting out with five years. Five years. And where am I now? So. Follow those if you want to get complete box sets. Uh, the next one should be very interesting because they're definitely going to go into the Berlin Triptych. Yeah. It, so yeah, that'll they, probably if, be the whole set. I yeah. Think, it, just
3: I, I can't imagine them not, not doing them all three as a package and then maybe whatever. Yeah, if, I, there are any, if there are
2: any outtakes, it yeah. will be on that set. So that'll be <laughs> something to check out Yeah, as, as we go for along sure. here. So until then, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye. This is the... Thanks for the journey, uh, Joey. Oh, you know, it's been good. It's what I'm here for. <laughs> I wouldn't have done this with anybody else but you, Logan. Oh. So, Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else, stay tuned to Rock Strikes 10 and go to cnjradio.com. I won't be too tacky with the plugs here because this no. is a tribute show. But go to cnjradio.com for all the information in every episode and all the links. So we're just going to say goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next proper show. Happy birthday, David. Happy birthday, David. And for everybody else, until then, have fun.